I'm Lisa Smith Henderson, your host for the podcast Alma Am I Racist? It's an anti-racist pro-black website inspired by the woman who saved my life, Alma. If you want to know more about her and who she was, you can go to the website almaamiracist.com. Last time we were talking to Brett and Natasha, an interracial couple, and they were sharing some of their stories and some of the healing that's happened. And one of the greatest things is what happened in the families. What happened with Brett's family being so open and embracing and loving and liberal, and also what happened with Natasha's family. And especially her grandmother. Her grandmother, by the way, absolutely loved me. So I just want to circle back to that. I love Julia. She was such a blessing. But I think that is a story. I'm telling you, we have a storybook life. That is a story within itself. Because honest to God, my grandmother, you know, before she passed on, and even much Earlier in our relationship, she grew to absolutely love Brett. She was like, she would call him her son. It was, I, I mean, she would show pictures of him to people, super proud of him. And I mean, every time I would talk, I, it would get to the point where she'd call and be talking to me, but then she'd be asking for Brett. And they would spend more time on the phone than I would. It was such a cute little relationship. But I was so happy for her to have found this. Well, um, there was some healing that took place. Yes. Bingo. And that's where, you know, she had to be the strong, incredibly strong woman that raised up a whole family. Like, she was the matriarch. You know, when we talk about, you know, being a strong black woman, you just have to suck it up. She literally just took a family and just in that house, you know, and just said, here it is, bring your families. You know, there was a lot of people that lived there, but people that it was always a place for them to go, you know, when they needed somewhere to stay or they needed. She was was the first, you know, homeowner in our family. She worked for um, McDonnell Douglas or Boeing, but as a black woman, like way back in the days, they talk about the paperback test, uh, you know, and this is essentially where you could not look too black working in white spaces. So, you know, and I will say my grandmother, she was a very, our ancestry is very rich. And so she oftentimes could pass for not being black. Um, She had like natural auburn reddish sort of hair, very beautiful woman, but still in order to maintain that job. And she did for, you know, decades and eventually retired from there. So I feel like her having that major accomplishment just as a Black woman in such a difficult time, I draw so much strength from just being aware and knowing that my grandmother did it. For her to, because even in her work, you know, she encountered white people, but she did not trust them. Their, um, my grandmother and Brett's relationship was really special to me because I wanted her to experience that. I wanted her to, I want to, like, we, because we got to bridge this gap. We can't stand over here and say, I hate white people. I don't like them. And white people knock it off. You know, (laughs) it's been long enough. So I am always, it's funny because I feel like there is so much responsibility on Brett 
to be a model citizen because this is the guy that I'm always toting out in front of all my people, all the people of color, like my friends. And some are not always Black, but I'm always using him as this, see guys, not all white people are bad. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, that's how y'all ended up together. Yes. So Brett, was this, sounds like you kind of became an accidental activist. <laughs> like, I know, never, so. yeah. I mean, because no, I mean, I was married before. I was married, you know, my, I have, uh, ex was white, you know, I was uh, <laughs> never, so yeah, no, this was not uh, something that I expected to have happen. And, you know, and when you fall in love or, you know, meet somebody and fall in love, it's, you know, color shouldn't, I know we said color shouldn't matter, but of course it does. But I think that's how all activism sort of starts. It, you know, there has to be passion, love, desire to get the message out because it is funny uh, or not funny, but yeah, he kind of is turned into sort of like an activist. It's like, you know, even it, because he's always worked in corporate America and, you know, he would be in spaces where it's very white and very male, you know, hetero male. And so a lot of times people said things that were like, okay, this is not cool. Like this was not just borderline racist. It was racist. Brett would be in the office going off on a tangent, like lecturing people about why you should not be saying the N word or lecturing Good. them about, you know, just a lot of things. And I wouldn't even say lecturing. It would be like educating because, and I, that's why I just think it is funny. He did sort of become an activist because he would literally be in his office speaking out about things that, you know, like from a black person's, and it's crazy that you would have this white man in corporate America speaking for like, you know, from a black perspective, this is not cool. Or why would you not accommodate this group of people? And again, he, he comes from good stock. So like we said, we're from the Midwest. St. Louis is where we are from, and that's where the uh, tragic Mike Brown incident happened. And so even from that, my my father-in-law, after the, the area was just raised, I mean, people were livid. They were outraged. And the entire city was, I mean, they burned the city down. It was, it was sad. It was ugly. It was a lot of things you know, my father. And so needless to say, it was a white cop that killed a young black boy. So white people were not really being looked upon kindly in that area. And my father-in-law didn't care. He was like, you know what? A mother has lost her son and a community is distraught and I'm going to go help. And you know, it makes me tear up to this day because my father-in-law, this old white guy, he was down there in Ferguson handing out bottled water, cleaning up storefronts, and he did not do it for a photo op. Right. He never like, even he wasn't a politician. Yes, yes. And but again, when I met this family, but I think it's <laughs> like one of my friends was like, Tasha, I thought you didn't even like white people. How'd you marry? <laughs> Uh, she didn't so, actually. She still doesn't. <laughs> but, but, so I, I have know, a couple couple of questions. Oh, sure. Yeah. Does it take white people talking to other white people? Yes. 
You know why? Because we don't, we lack a, a certain level of credibility with white people, but that's historic. You know, there used to be the, in times past where a black person could not testify against a white person. You know, a black person could have witnessed a murder and nobody would listen to anything. So I, and you know, just in me sort of like one of my friends was like, oh, you have dual citizenship, but me just watching, you know, how white people deal with each other, you guys extend a automatic trust. Like, oh, I know Barb, she would never, when in fact Barb might, <laughs> you know, right. but that you guys don't give that to black people. So I do think it does take more breaths. It really does. It takes more breaths. Come out of, you know, like your circles, mingle with us, engage with us because I, on it, me, you know, speaking from my perspective, other black people that I know, that is what, what I've heard. It's like, you know, yeah, that's what so we have. We have a responsibility as yes. to speak up to other white people. Yes. That's what this shows. Somebody was like, oh, who's your audience? I said, my audience is white people. <laughs> Don't yeah, you, you know, know it's, black it's, people? And I said, no, black people already know all this stuff. Right. They, this exactly. is, they live. It's not that they, they live it. It's really, it's yes. more. And, you know, what I would say to white people is that, you know, we, we are, we are this, we can be the solution. We can figure things out. We should be. And so, you know, we, we've created a lot of things, but we have also used, um, you know, like, I mean, black people help build this country, you know, oh anything God. you see built in Washington, DC was built with black hands in most, most cities. It's like that, you know, we are not this Island of, you know, where we've accomplished everything and did mm -hmm. it all on our own. We did not. And, and therefore, you know, I have my little, you know, when I, when she's laughing about the little nieces and things like that, you know, it is, I mean, I'd go into black homes where honestly in St. Louis, I know they don't see white people at all ever, you know, and it's, it's like uh, Dick Gregory's from St. Louis and Dick Gregory. It was just kind of funny when I heard him say that, you know, he said, I, I first met white people. They were kind of ugly to me because I, I only <laughs> saw the, the beautiful people in movies and TV. And then I actually, I mean, he went years without seeing actual people in person yes. you know? and you can and then so i always felt a little bit like a you know whenever i see even you know young black kids today i always make it a point to be very friendly very kind and you know and always overly generous because i always want them to have a good experience with someone who looks like me and therefore you know a smile you know and that's all it takes is just you know a smile being kind you know starting out that you know getting on an elevator hey good to see you today, which button, you know, just being nice and just being friendly as opposed to the other way of, of looking at things and that perspective. Cause again, as Natasha said, black people are just as uncomfortable. You know, if you can imagine yes. um, going into, I've been to black church. I've been the only white person in a sea of, of <laughs> black faces and I'm, I'm okay. You know, and it, and it's, is it a little at first like, Oh gosh, but I, it hit me. I'm like, this is how black people feel every day. Yes. This is yes. how they feel every day. And I have to, and I, it didn't bother me. Actually, I was okay, but it was kind of a, uh, one of those experiences where it's like, this is what black people have to experience all the time. They go in places where they're one of, or maybe two of a hundred or a thousand people here. And mm -hmm. it's just, you know, and, 
and that's where a lot of times you do see sometimes people, you know, black people will, you know, partner up together just because it's like, why, you know, why do they always partner up together? White people will say that, you know, and, and this and that, because the life experiences, the, you know, the prejudice that they, they, that they get at the job, you know, that they're at or whatever the case is, it's always inherently going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. And so you have to expect that. And that's why a lot of times black people do stick together because inherently, yes, they are going to have to experience at some point and, and need somebody to, you know, be their eyes and ears if they need to be, or, you know, again, be that witness to something happening. And even still, it doesn't help a lot of times. And so it, it's sad that that's the, the life that we all have to, to live in at times, because, you know, I had an experience with a friend who is black, who, you know, the boss at work, it was like, he just wanted to nail him to the wall. And I had to stick up for him and, you know, and come to his aid. And it was like, oh my gosh, you know, this guy just really wanted to get him fired. And it was just like, there's no circumstance will I allow that to happen. (laughs) If he's asking me anything, I will tell him what I need to say. And, you know, it's just sad because, you know, I see that side of it and it it really bothers me. And so it is, you have to say, you have to, you know, stand up and say, this isn't right. And, you know, and I always tell people, well, how can we, you know, make a difference, you know, not just giving money, but giving your time is so valuable. If you went down and and donated time, you know, to the big brothers program or something like that, you would make such an impact and it doesn't even cost anything. Just some of your time going down to a big brother, big sister, um, you know, just donating some of your time, you would, you would make a huge impact. And I think sometimes for white people, it's showing up where black people are. Like you said, you know, sharing it. Yeah. Going to church, you know, I mean, my my church, I was a Methodist. Yeah. I was Methodist growing up and we actually had, yeah. We actually had sometimes uh, get-togethers, and it was it was very enriching um, because for both sides. And I think it it does help people to share that experience, share a meal with somebody, break yeah. bread. That makes such a but. Go down and donate time to kids that you know for after school to help tutor or do all, all those things to help deliver you know furniture to people in need. You know, doing things that are enriches the community and also gets them. Giving people the benefit of the doubt is not hard if you just do it. And right. it's really, it extends such a courtesy and respect that it would make such a tremendous difference. Before we run out of time, I wanted to ask you about having biracial children. Mm-hmm. What are your fears around that, your experiences around that? And Lord, what you see what you see as hopefully, please tell me something better than what you grew up with, Natasha. I, every day, I'm like, Lord, baby Jesus, don't let me go to jail because I will spaz <laughs> out over my baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what? I've always been, like, I've always been the aunt. But now I am the crazy mom because unfortunately, we have had some, um, my son specifically, he has been targeted and it's by adults. It's by adults. And that is what makes it so disgusting. We are, as parents, super vigilant just because. But I will say what really, really just gives me hope is these new, this new generation coming up. Like, and I'm not talking about like my son's age and, um, you know, he, he'll be six. I'm talking about like these teenagers, these twenty, these twenty somethings. They are so progressive, and they are so 
okay with you being whoever the hell you are. And I just, and I, I feel like such an old lady because, and I do feel like now I am way, way more tuned in to the pulse of America as far as culture goes. I never used to pay attention to a lot of stuff, but you know, because we live in this time now where race is such a big thing. So I wanna say having a black president then having Trump. So it's like that sort of shook up this melting pot, you know? And so now I do pay way, way more attention to, to everything, but also too, I do have this added part where I am a black person in America. So I'm always tuned in to the, you know, racial pulse. And then having these, you know, kids, it has, it's made me afraid because I'm like, oh my God, I never want my kids going through experiences like I went through. Like I remember I was like 13 at a mall. I lost my wallet. I'm flipping out. And I walked up to what I thought was the most innocent looking, you know, because again, I am afraid as well. I am, you know, this is St. Louis, Missouri. I'm in South County. It's, it's the late 90s. I should have been in school, but I skipped. <laughs> so anyway, I asked this old white lady for, I think like a quarter. And she was like, I have never given to niggers. Well, you know, as, and I'm 13, 14, I went, I ran in the bathroom and cried. Then I called my grandmother, which she wants to know why I'm crying now. So now my grandmother gets this lady who was of means. She just always looked so good. She looked like a celebrity all the time. But anyway, she gets in her big car and she comes and rescues me because she does not want her grandchild to be made to feel like a poor nigger in front of all of these white folk, you know, because again, it's South County, uh, you know, higher level class of, you know, whatever. We actually lived in that area later in life, which we is did. kind of funny. And somebody at one point said, why don't you go back to where you came from at the gas station? And As I exited from my Range Rover. <laughs> driving, you know, and we actually, she was a homeowner there, you know? Yeah. I'm like, she actually owned her home down the street, sir. You know, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. there. I would have gone absolutely oh, yeah. insane. Yeah. I and, just, and you know uh, what's funny? I didn't even tell Brett about that because cause right. it's like, if I come home and I tell him all the stories, you know, then when do we ever have time to breathe, and laugh, be just and with live? each other? Yeah. And yes. so, yeah, I'll yeah. say this too about having biracial kids. You know, it is. I've always had more confidence in in things than she has, just because I'm white. You know, I I can walk yes. around, and so my confidence. We go in places. She's like, "Oh, did you notice this person looking at us, or these people staring at us, or whatever?" And I'm like. Not really, because I just don't care. I don't, and I and I know I have a different perspective, and I don't. I really don't. You know, I go in places, but for my kids, I want to have them have that awareness around them, but also that same. I just don't care. You know, I, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm mixed, and I'm here, and it's okay. You know, and I want them to have that confidence. We joke around about her little girl. <laughs> she's like, she thinks she's white, you know, <laughs> because she's so confident in herself, and she's so cute, you know, and she thinks everybody should think she's, she's a Karen already. Yeah, I'm like, I gave her the confidence of a Karen, you know, and I'm actually, 
it makes me a little proud, you know, because I'm like, if my little girl thinks that she's already, you know, this Karen type of where she's going to be always right. And she's this, that, you know, I want her to have that confidence. So she's going to have the, both the confidence of a strong black woman, but also of a Karen, I guess. And so, which is fine. <laughs> it's a good combination to have, but I think it is I where. Mean, listen you know, here, let me tell you something. If strong black women and Karens could you know, that we could be. rule the world. I'm telling you, we could. Pearl is going to be that. We call Listen, it dark. I don't want a Karen friend, so and I'm white. So <laughs> I mean, if we could harness we, that power for good. No, it's it's just the confidence <laughs> level. That's what they we joke around about. The confidence level of a Karen is like the it's one of the most highest confidence levels because you you really have yeah, such a silly right you, you have still will, are willing to fight i want to speak to your manager even though you were <laughs> a horrible mess of a person and that you know to have that sort of level of unaware confidence is almost unheard of but well, they somehow, yeah. let's uh, let's yeah. call it what it is ignorance yeah. okay. no yes. no we joke it, well, ignorance the, we joke is around bliss. about things we joke around it, about things that is. you probably would be shocked at what we joke around about because of our couple uh, of our relationship. We, we make fun of black people, white people. We make we fun do. of the silly things that we both do because as a black person, she can make fun of the silly things that black people do. And we laugh about it. And comedians make jokes about it all the time. Same thing with, with white people. Oh Lord, we, we give ourselves so much comedic relief all the time <laughs> because we do so many silly, stupid things. But, it, you know, the difference isn't just going to church or going to the mall or wherever. You know, we just all have our differences and we can embrace and laugh at those. And and that's a great thing because it's all done in, in good spirited love, you know, affection for each other. And, you know, and that's how we that's how we try to live our life. That's how we try to instill that with our kids, that they are they're not they're not different. They are. I mean, of course, we all are. You know, we are a different we live a little different lifestyle than most. But I think, do. you know, Brett, I was, it's crazy that you're saying that because I was going to say to pivot right back to the kids and that like, you know, these generations, you know, that I was referring to, I am so inspired by them. I am so proud of them because they embrace differences right. like no other. And they not only, it's like what I see these kids doing is embracing differences, but also creating a safe space for their peers to be who they are. Because I remember when I was in high school, I'll never forget, there was this white boy, he was in love with me. Everybody knew it too. Actually, there were a couple. Everybody knew it, but they would never admit it, you know? And then I remember one in particular, he would do my homework, you know, if I was out, he would take notes. He, I mean, he was so sweet to me, but he was afraid to admit he liked me because his peers would make fun of him. And, you know, the whole interracial thing was not, at all socially acceptable when I, you know, in, first of all, in St. Louis, Missouri, and first of all, you know, at that time, that is what I'm just finding so much hope and joy for, for my kids. I've got to have y'all come back because (laughs) I think we've got a lot more stories. Like I want, oh my gosh, we've got a million. Yeah. I mean, and it's like your family and your family sounds 
you know, very liberal and real and all that. And then I also want, I I do want to talk about the hope that's there because I'll talk to people and they'll say, oh, those millennials don't want to work. I'm like, both of my children (laughs) are millennials and they work their asses off. They are. Please don't. It's it's about different choices. You know, when we, my generation, I'm a Gen X and, you know, we just went to work and we went to jobs we hated and you know just you had kids and you know all that stuff now they are they are hard working they just want to work in the in the things that they have more passion about or things that yes. they or they but have they're working on the world though they're they are working yeah. on us even in our age group how they're working on challenging how we think about things our beliefs and I think that in itself is the most important work that these millennials are doing. And I hate to hear, you know, other generations criticize them because it's like, you know what? Yes, we decided to focus on work, but they are, you know, they, I would say like their efforts are very more humanitarian because they care about the world. Like, you know, and that's something that I hear so much from them. They care about the environment. They care about, you know, how we're treating each other in the world. So, I mean, I I do, I get all kinds of excited when I think about my kids' future. I really do. And we just moved to be in a more area. It's funny, and I'll I'll end on this, is that, you know, we moved to, we know we live around a bunch of white people and that's okay. We want our kids to be, in a they're going to be in a good environment and and we are um we are proud to be able to to put them in in school that they're going to excel in and you know we're just really teaching them to be accepting of others and that we will we we know they'll succeed because they're going to have that confidence so yes because y'all are a blast you're a blast (laughs) i i've had a ball i told you you would probably like her more than you even like me (laughs) Oh, no, I, I, say I, that. I like you both even yeah, more. I know. <laughs> so thank you. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you for the time. The <laughs> well, I don't know. Y'all have just been fabulous. And I think we've covered a lot, but we I have. think there's a lot more to talk about. Yes, of course. And yeah. especially that the world will be a better place. Yes. Every time we talk about this and we're real, we make baby stars. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So being, you know, being real is such a, I know it's a phrase people just be real, but it, it's, it is totally accurate. And that if we could just be realistic with each other and say the truth, the truth is always the best. And, you know, again, our truth and your truth, it all comes it, it intersects at some point and we're it all does. we have so much in common brett and natasha y'all have been amazing i thank, thank you. you for having me i applaud you for being willing to come forward and talk about your relationship you know the difficulties the beauties and yes i think we're we'll just go straight philosophical next time <laughs> it's the spice My of favorite. life yeah. <laughs> Yes, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. And I I appreciate the contemplative, thoughtful questions, you know, because sometimes white people, the questions are like, come on, man. Right. Thank you. Thank you all. Wow, Brett and Natasha, pretty awesome people. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Alma Am I Racist? If you want to hear more episodes, you can go to your favorite 
uh, provider and type in Alma Am I Racist, or you can go to our website, almaamiracist.com. I'm Lisa Smith Henderson, and thank you for joining us.